Um, let me just uh, say um, thank you to the church and to the church family who have showed um, their appreciation this last month with cards and gifts and, and, and just words of encouragement and a meal or two that I've been able to have at folks' homes uh, because of that. Uh, sadly, my wife had to miss them, but uh, I ate her share, just so you'll know, all right? Uh, but I want to say thank you for your, your gift and, and for your appreciation, and uh, it's a joy to serve the Lord here with you. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn to a little-known book called Jonah. Um, you know, we've talked about the fact that Jonah is more than a, a tale of a whale, and it's more than a whale of a tail. all right? Jonah is a real book and a real story about a real man in a real situation. And we find Jonah in quite a precarious situation today. And I believe that uh, there is a, a word from the Lord for all of us today uh, from this chapter. We're looking at Jonah chapter 2. And I want to read the entire chapter because you can't just read one verse. You've got to kind of get the whole thing. And, but we're going to focus on, on, on sharing uh, verses 1 through 10. So Jonah chapter 2. Uh, verses 1 through 10. If you would, let's stand together as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. All right, Jonah chapter 2. And it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep and in the midst of the sea, and the floods compassed me about. All of thy billows and all of thy ways passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yes, I will look again towards thy holy temple. The waters encompass me about, even to the soul. The depths clothed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountain, and the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought my, up my life from the corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainteth within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into mine holy, or thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Father, thank you for this chapter, for these words, for this prayer that we're going to look at, for this man who, uh, Father, though he was uh, temporarily disobedient, Lord, we see so much that we can learn from him. And Lord, in our own lives and where we are and we find ourselves today. So Lord, would you speak unto your servant and, and to your people today, not by my words, but your words. Hide me behind the cross that it not be my word, but your word that is proclaimed today for the cause and purpose of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. All right. When we last, lost, last left Jonah, he was... Uh, uh, being thrown overboard and, and, and being swallowed by the great fish. He was in a bad fix in a bad way. To paraphrase what Samuel Johnson once said, 
Nothing clears to mind like the certain knowledge that you will be shot in the morning. That's obviously true. Uh, if a man knows that he's going to be shot very soon, in a way of clearing the mind of trivial details, you don't worry about washing the car. You, you just say somebody else can do it when I'm gone. Um, you know, you don't worry about the small things because you've got bigger things to concern your thoughts upon. So it was with Jonah. But first, before Jonah could, could, could even focus on, he had to come to his senses. There had to be a place in his life, a time in his experience that, that he found himself. And there, there's another account in the book of Luke that talks about the prodigal son. And in the prodigal son story, there's a point in the story when the son comes to himself. Means that he realizes the predicament that he's found himself in and he begins to think differently. And Jonah is right there today. As a matter of fact, the, the writer of Proverbs in chapter 28, verse 13, declares that we who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whosoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The Bible also tells us that uh, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he, the Lord Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, the Bible tells us that God desires truth in the inward parts. Psalms 51, verse 6. As Eugene Patterson uh, puts it, he says, truth from the inside out. You know, for many of us, it's very hard for us to be totally honest with God and with others. Most of us face continual battles to be transparent in our dealings especially when we know that we have sinned. You can make a good case for the fact that these three words are perhaps the hardest words for humans to speak. I have sinned. You know, the Bible tells us that it is difficult for us to face the reality. And as a matter of fact, many, many in our world today are lost simply because they're unwilling to say, I have sinned. They would rather stand on the outside looking in than confess that they have blown it and they need to have God's mercy applied to them so they can be on the inside looking out. You see, the Bible tells us that this is a major problem. No one wants to say that. We would rather do anything that we can, including lying, to keep from saying those words. We often make excuses, we rationalize, we twist the facts, we blame others, and we'll even say, it's not my fault, she made me do it. You get that. So, here's another one. So what? Everybody's doing it today. What's the big deal? Boy, I hear that a lot these days. All right? It seems to be the, the excuse that we use that never ends. Can we agree that a, a good mark of any Christian in their spiritual health is when it becomes easier for us to admit that I am wrong? That I sinned? That I've done something that I shouldn't? I believe that's a good sign because it means that we start taking responsibility for our own actions. It means that you are ready to get up uh, with your life and to, uh, with God and get your relationship back to growing again. 
In Jonah chapter 2, the disobedient prophet himself finds himself in a great predicament, found himself in a great fish. Now, the truth is, we don't know what kind of fish this was. We do know that the Lord appointed the fish to catch and swallow Jonah alive. It was a divine appointment, a miracle that the fish appeared just at the right moment, in the right place, at the right time, with the right appetite to swallow Jonah without harming him in the process. Can you imagine what it was like inside that fish? It was dark, I'm sure. You can't move around much. The fish is swimming constantly. Salt water washes over you. Seaweed wraps around your body. Those unidentifying objects knock against you. And, and one thing, I'm for sure that the fish probably stunk in there. Okay? Plus, it no doubt was greasy, slippery, and the fish is trying to digest you all the while you're in there. And all those acids and all that other stuff. Ugh. As Jonah drops down the esophagus of the fish into the belly, he feels that great heat, perhaps. He breathes in that putrid air. He realizes where he is. And even though he's in a dark, dismal place, and then he further recognizes that he is now without hope and without help. But it is an amazing how God uses these circumstances in our life to show us the lessons of life. I think Jonah's learning a valuable lesson here because I believe God is allowing Jonah to experience a taste of what the Ninevites would experience in judgment from God, the hopelessness and helplessness if no one goes to tell them of the mercy of God. Today, I want us to talk about a desperate man's desperate prayer. And what is God trying to teach us as we listen to the prayer of Jonah in a desperate situation as he cries out in a place of disobedience to get his life back with God in the midst of what he thinks is the last of his life? Now, I don't know what all of you are going through. But I know some of you are going through some stuff. I don't know how desperate you are, but I know there's some desperate people out there. And I know that this prayer that Jonah prayed might be the very similar prayer that some of us at the times of our most desperate needs have cried out to God. And we too, like Jonah, are thankful that God is a God who hears our prayers of repentance. But maybe, just maybe, some of us might be finding ourselves in that desperate situation today and wondering if God is hearing your prayer. And I hope today that what I want to share with you in the next few moments will speak to your heart wherever you are, Maybe you've been through one of those desperate times. Maybe you're going through one of those desperate times. Maybe you're about to go into one of those desperate times. But I want you to know that there is hope and help in the Lord. So let's look at three things that I want us to see from this prayer that Jonah prays from inside the belly of the fish. 
I want you to see in verses uh, 1 through 3 that God teaches us when to pray. Now, some of us need to be reminded that prayer is not a spiritual gift that we get when we get saved. It is something that we have to learn to do, and we have to learn when we need to pray so that we know what to pray. You see, the first step in prayer is learning when we need to pray. When are the times that we need to cry out to God? When are the times that we need to know that we are outside of our abilities, outside of our realm, and only God can do something for us. When do we need to pray? Three ministers were talking about prayer in a general conversation and talking about the appropriate effective positions of prayer. Above them, as they were standing upon the the street corner, was a telephone repairman working up at the uh, the top of the pole on the lines. And, and, And... Unbeknown to them, Justin was listening. <laughs> you know, you always got to pick on one of those, you know, sky best, skyline telephone guys, <laughs> you know. And so Justin was listening, and, and he was listening to the ministers. And one minister said the key to effective prayer was all in the hands. Hands that are pointing upward, he said. You must have your hands up in order for God to hear your prayer. The second minister said the true prayers was one who found himself on his knees before the Lord. Once you're on your knees before the Lord, you're, you're in the right position for God to hear your prayers. The third minister said, well, I, I, I really believe that the only position truly effective is a stretched out flat on your face before God kind of prayer unless you are prostrated on the ground God cannot will not and is able to hear your prayers now after their conversation Justin began to think about what uh, he might have experienced so he hollers down to the fellows down below and says boys he said I don't know about all that but he said I know when my prayer was most effective He said, when I was hanging from my heels, 40 foot in the air, praying to God to get me out of this mess. You know what? God God doesn't care what position. He does care about the desperate need in which we find ourselves in. You see, the reality is, I believe, that's exactly what Jonah found himself in, a desperate situation. I mean, like Justin hanging upside down, 40 foot in the air, he was desperate for God to intervene. Jonah finds himself in the belly of the fish about to drown, and he cries out. He learns when he needs to pray. Now, there's a few things that we need to understand about this. First of all, the first ingredient of Jonah's prayer is admission. All right, Jonah has to admit some things. First of all, look at verse 2. Jonah admits, I cried by reason of my affection, uh, affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me, and out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now Jonah admits the fact that I put this upon myself. I am the reason that I'm here. I'm the guilty party. Out of my affliction, out of my rebellion, out of my disobedience, I have found myself in a desperate place in need of God's help. You know, you know, we oftentimes are that kind of people. We get ourselves in a mess and then we're in a desperate situation where we realize that's when I need to pray. God, I need you. I've messed it up and now I don't know how to get out of this mess. 
But third, or, or again, in verse 3, he also admits that, that it is God's hand upon him that is disciplining or correcting his disobedient state. Look at verse 3. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the sea, and of the floods compass about me. All thy billows and thy waves have passed over me. Now, you see, Jonah finds himself in a precarious situation where he realizes that out of his sin, he has found himself in this situation, and, and, and it seems as though the world is pouring in on him. And he has one of two choices. He can either continue in his rebellion, or he can begin to repent and turn from his rebellion. Now, in the New Testament, we find a... a, a uh, a, a comparable counterpart to this kind of admission in Hebrews chapter 12 in verses 5 through 7. And here's what it says. And ye have forsaken the exhortation which speaketh unto you and to children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens and, and, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as his sons, for the sons is he whom the Father chastens not. Now, according to this paragraph, we see several options that we have. We can either continue in our rebellion or we can repent. Here we find in verse 5, we can despise God's discipline and fight it all the way, or we can accept it and repent of it. We can be discouraged because of it, and we can faint other. In other words, we can be discouraged, and we can allow it to take us to our very death. Say, I will not admit to it. I will not agree. I am not responsible. I will fight it to the very last breath, and it will be our very last breath. And then in verse 6, he says, we can resist it or invite stronger discipline. Let me just remind you, the Lord promises that he will chasten and he will scourge. There's two different words there. He says he will get our attention, but if we don't, it's like a parent who says, if I didn't get your attention the first time, this one will. Okay? All right, and that's what God says. And that's what he does with his children. Listen, if we continue to fight it, he's going to continue to come until he brings us back to repentance. And then verse 7 says we can... We can submit to God and grow because of it, or we can die in our sin. It's up to us. It's our choice. You see, at this point, Jonah is no longer resisting the will of God. He's no longer rejecting the word of God. And as a matter of fact, he's about to re-enlist in the work of God. You see, Jonah begins to realize, wait a minute, my disobedience has got me in a precarious situation that means that I could be dead here momentarily. So he begins to, to uh, accept the will of God and, and accept the word of God so that he can re-enlist in the work of God. However, first, there has to be an omission. The Bible says that we must all acknowledge that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Without that admission that we have sinned and that we have failed and God is righteous and we are not, there will never be true repentance. So if you're here today and never received Jesus, you might be standing here and sitting here today saying, I don't know what I have to repent about. I haven't done anything. Listen, I, it's not that you have to murder somebody. It's not that you have to rob somebody. 
It's the fact that you were born into this world with a sinful nature in rebellion to God, and every one of us has rebelled against God. Whenever we've disobeyed our parents, whenever we've disobeyed this, or whenever we've done that or said this, we have disobeyed the will of God. And therefore, we need to admit our wrongdoing. We need to admit that God is right in His right to discipline us. Now, when we do that, we're on our way to restoration. And that's where we find Jonah this morning. He learns when he needs to pray. Man, I'll tell you, when you're in a desperate state, you know exactly when you need to pray. But the second thing that we learn is found in verses 4 through 7. God teaches us what to pray. You see, when we learn when to pray, we then begin to experience what is it that I need to be praying about. You know what? I, I, I believe that, that if we get in this situation, we won't be praying. Lord, you want to tell me the lottery numbers? Did you know they're up to a billion dollars now? Um, you know, God, if you just give me that lottery number, I, you know, that's, when we're in this kind of situation, we ain't worried about getting the lottery numbers, friends. What is it that God wants us to pray? Let's look at the second ingredient of Jonah's prayer in, is restoration. Once Jonah begins to recognize his confession, admit that he has sinned and fallen short, and that God has disciplined him, he admits, I need restoration. Look at verse 4. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards the holy temple. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jonah, do you not know where you are? <laughs> Jonah, you're in the belly of a fish in the midst of the sea, and you ain't nowhere near the temple, <laughs> and you can't see it from where you are. So what's Jonah saying? Well, let me just remind you, up to this point, everything about Jonah's life has been the opposite direction of God's authority. He's not been going towards God. He's been going away from God. He's not been listening to God. He's been ignoring God. In fact, one author pointed out that the word that best describes the characteristic of Job's li or Jonah's life up to this point is down. We talked about this, but I wanted to remind you again. You see, the Bible tells us that Jonah rose up to flee and went down to Joppa. Where he was, he had to go down to the sea port. And then Jonah paid the fare for the ship, and he went down into the belly of the ship. And then we find that Jonah, in the midst of the storm, gets thrown into the sea and is swallowed by the great fish, and effectively he goes down into the belly of the fish. Now Jonah is going down into the deep abyss of the sea, further and further away from the temple of God. Warren Wiersbe said this about a great metaphor for all of us in our life when he said this, whenever you and I run from God, the only direction that we can go is down, down, down. Now Jonah is admitting that his sin has, has turned him away from God and he's turned his back to the temple of God. And now he makes a statement of recommitment for the Old Testament saint. In fact, the very statement that Jonah makes is found in, in a very familiar act in the Old Testament. It's found in Solomon's prayer as he was dedicating the temple of God that he had built for the Lord to dwell in. And uh, in 1 Kings, it is described this way. 
Whatever prayer or supplication is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing the sin of his own heart and the spreading his hands towards this house, then here in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and render to each according to all of his ways, whose hearts you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men. Jonah repeats a prayer that was prayed over the people as they were dedicating the, 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 the temple to the Lord. If they had found themselves away from the Lord, here's what they needed to pray. Jonah's literally clinging to the promise in this repentant prayer of faith. And God begins to move in his life. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, The water compassed me about, even to the soul. The depths closed around about me, and the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down into the bottom of the mountains, and, and earth with her bars was about me forever. In other words, Jonah fumbling around and fumbling around in the belly of the fish realized that there was a rib cage surrounding him, and he couldn't get out. He couldn't find his way back up. As a matter of fact, I believe at this point in Jonah's life, he was saying this, this may be the very end. This may be my life's end. I found myself imprisoned in a place where I cannot escape. And then he goes on in verse 6 and he says, That yet hast thou brought me my life up from corruption, O Lord my God. From the depths of hell or the depths of death, he brought him back up and he restored him and promised a, a, a restoration. Jonah continues to pray in verse 7, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. In other words, Jonah was saying, I found myself without hope and without help. And I knew that I had to pray to the Lord. Now, Sinclair Ferguson writes, Isn't it marvelous that God has mercy upon the servant Jonah before Jonah is willing to go and preach mercy unto the people of Nineveh? Hmm. Think about the mercy of the Lord upon your life in the midst of when he has asked you to do something for him, and yet... We've either shrubbed it off, we've rejected it, we've said no flat out. We said, I'd rather just hang out here than serve the Lord. But yet, we see the mercy of the Lord come upon us in our time of need, even before we did what He asked us to do. Sometimes the greatest discipline of the Lord is the mercy of the Lord when he shows us that he is willing to withhold that which we absolutely deserve. It's a great eye-opener for us that the mercies of the Lord are here today, but they're not promised forever. It's a great reminder that we need to repent today while the mercies of the Lord still can be found in our life. Don't let the hand of the Lord withdraw himself from you. If he's speaking to you today, accept his mercy. 
and follow him in restoration. The third thing that I want you to see is found in verses 9 and 10. God teaches us why we should pray. You know, when we should pray is when we find ourselves in a situation that we know that we can't do it without God. What are we to pray? Lord, I want to restore my life. I want you back in my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to follow you. Lord, I want to be where you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to go where you want me to go. Lord, I want to serve you today and forever. But Jonah also is taught why we should pray. The third ingredient of Jonah's prayer is appreciation. Listen to Jonah now pray in verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Keep in mind that Jonah has not been given a promise of deliverance. He's in the belly of the fish and he thinks this is it. This is the end of my life. But before I leave, I want to get right with God. I might not be able to do what God's called me to do. I might not be able to make all of the amends, but I want to make sure my spirit is right with the Lord. And Jonah says, Lord, give an opportunity, I'll pay that vow. I'll do what I told you I would do when I was called into the ministry of a prophet. I will preach the gospel wherever you call me to preach. I'll tell anybody and I'll tell everybody. I love that song that says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell somebody about the Lord. And that's what Jonah realizes that he really wants to be. Just a nobody telling somebody about the Lord. As he's not been given a promise of deliverance, he was not thankful because he was not yet back on dry land. He was not thankful because he had not drowned He was thankful that God had turned his heart from rebellion and it caused him to call upon the name of the Lord once again. You see, what Jonah said was, if this is the end, I want to make sure that before I meet the Lord, I'm right. I'm in right spirit with him. Jonah was thankful for his salvation. Now think about that just for a moment, that phrase, I'm thankful for my salvation. What that means is salvation is not just when we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. It's not just when Jesus helps us through our everyday problems. Thankful for our salvation is when I take my last breath. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm thankful for the salvation that promises me when I am finished here and I take my last breath, I am over there immediately. Jonah was saying, Lord, if I die in this belly, that's okay because I'm right with you and I know I'm going to be with you. Can you say that today? Lord, when I take my last breath, I know that I'm going to be with you. Salvation belongeth to the Lord. This was not as much a theological declaration as it was a personal confession of faith and praise. Did you notice that Jonah said that he would sacrifice to God and pay his vows? (laughs) Did you know that this was the same phrase that was used in chapter 1 by the, the... pagan sailors who in the midst of seeing all of this unfold in the storm and 
and Jonah being thrown overboard and, and um, they then prayed unto the Lord God, Jehovah. And they said unto him, we shall offer sacrifices unto you because we have found that you are the one and only God. And Jonah here in the belly of the fish says, Lord, I, 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 will, I will keep my vow. I will tell everybody. Who are you going to tell, Jonah? You're the only one in the belly. You're going to tell the fish? Hey, fish! Oh, wait a minute. You don't need to be saved. Uh, but he also said, hey, Lord, I, I, I want to I keep my vow. I want to make a sacrifice. And where do you make a sacrifice? At the temple of the Lord. But how was he going to make a sacrifice of animals under the Lord at the temple when he was at the bottom of the sea in the midst of a, a, a in the belly of a fish? He couldn't sacrifice an animal because he'd been eaten by one. <laughs> now, Jonah might be thinking, I've gone too far. What can Jonah possibly offer to God? Truth is, the Bible tells us that Jonah can offer the very same thing that God tells us that we can offer unto him. I don't know if you've ever read Psalms 51. If not, I challenge you, read that psalm. It's a powerful, repentive psalm of David. Wonderful. Bet it can help your life. But in Psalms 51, that great hymn of repentance, David wrote, The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise that. You see, the greatest sacrifice that you and I can make before the Lord is not some animal, not some dollars. The greatest sacrifice that you and I can make before the Lord is a broken heart, contrite heart, a repentive heart, a heart that's been broken because of our sin that says, you know what, I have foolishly, foolishly rebelled against my God. I have thought I could do it my way. I could be my own man or my own woman. I can run my life the way I want to run it. I can live how I want to live. I can do what I want to do. And God will just accept me for who I am. David said, I tried that. And the Spirit of the Lord crushed my bones until I repented. And he said, with a broken heart, in a contrite spirit, I came before and made the greatest sacrifice of my life. Lord, here I am. Sinful as I am, here I am. Do you know that's exactly what God wants from us? Here I am, Lord, broken as I am, sinful as I am. Here I am, O oh Lord. I confess that I am a sinner in need of your grace, a sinner in need of your mercy. Here I am, Lord with a broken and contrite heart, God will not turn away. No matter how far you have run from God, no matter where you are right now, the enemy might be whispering in your ear, you've gone too far. You've got nothing left to offer God that He wants. Why would He want you? Look at what you've done. You can't give Him anything but I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. Right from the pit of hell. For God has said that what He wants most from us is a sacrifice of love, a broken and contrite heart, a 
heart that says, Here am I, Lord. As useless as I might be, I know that if you invade my life with all of your spirit, I can be the most effective sinner on the block. As Jonah offers up to God the sacrifice of repentive heart and a humbled spirit that says, Lord, if I get out of this place, I'm turning my attention back to the temple and I'm going to do what you wanted me to do. I'll preach to that wicked city and I'll tell them the grace and the mercy of God. And isn't it great when God sees our broken and contrite heart He doesn't despise us, but he comes and meets us. And he provides for us just what we need to get back on track. Look at what happens in verse 10. God sends down to the midst of the depths of the sea, to the belly of a fish, and gives him indigestion. He says, that old stale prophet, he wasn't worth eating anyways. And God gives him the the most terrible ache he had ever had. He couldn't digest an old prophet. His sin just tasted too bad. But his repentance tasted so good. So he spit him up. But I want you to see where he's at. Because it sets us up for the next chapter of our life. We're back on dry land. We're at a place where we can be used of God again. But it didn't happen until we first admitted that we'd blown it. It didn't happen until we acknowledged that God was responsible for chasing us back to a life of service. It didn't happen until we agreed with God that I will turn my affections back towards you. It didn't happen until Jonah gave God the praise for who God was and is. So let me close with this. Listen, if you will. All too often we want God just to forgive us of our sins. And we want Him to let us continue to go on in life with living our way, doing our things, but just daily forgive us of our sin. But I want you to know God is never satisfied with that. What God wants is a genuine repentance of sin. He wants us to change our minds in a way that will change our direction. And listen to me, I think this is a biblical definition of what true repentance is. A change of mind that leads to a change of direction. If you say today, I'm going to change my mind about sin, but you don't stop sinning or change your way, it's just mere thought. God is all about what we think, but what we do. We see that in Jonah here today, don't we? God told him to go preach to Nineveh. Jonah went the opposite way. God chastened him, 
and swallowed him by a fish, and, and, and now in the belly of the fish, Jonah repents. This prayer is really about a prayer of repentance. It's about getting his life right with the Lord. Jonah prayed out of the belly of the fish. But I think the climactic moment is found in verse 9. When Jonah reminds God, that which I vowed, I will pay, for salvation is from the Lord. In other words, Jonah says, I'll do what you told me to do. That, my friends, is repentance. When we change our minds so that it changes our direction, instead of leading away from God, we're now walking with God. Now I want to speak to you. Is there something in your life that God's desperately trying to get your attention on? Something that he has been speaking to you about, but you've turned a deaf ear to? Is there something God wants you to repent about? Something in your life that needs to change, and God's been telling you for a while, but you've been balking it. Let me just remind you that running from the will of the Lord always leads us down, while repentance always leads us upward. We have a choice. We can go down, 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 or we can look up, 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 and find the mercy of the Lord. What is he speaking to you about today? What is it that he is saying, here you are today. You found yourself right here today. Not by accident. Not by happenstance. But by the will of God. We don't preach on Jonah much. Because so many people struggle with believing it. But I believe the word of God to be true from cover to cover. Without error. And God is saying something to all of us today from this rebellious, disobedient apostle, the prophet of God who's walking in disobedience now finds his way back. Let me just say to you, I don't care, God doesn't care where you find yourself today. He can and will show you the way back home. Do you have something? With every head bowed, as Tammy comes to the piano, I want you to just bow with me. and I want you to begin to ask the Lord, is there something in my life that I need to repent of? Is there something that I have been ignoring, that I've been walking away from? Boy, I've been trying to make sure in my life that before I preach it to you that I've let God speak to me. I want you to know that he works wherever we are to bring us where we need to be. But we've got to admit that we need him to. 
Father, as we begin to call upon the invitation, I pray that, Father, that the Spirit already at work would do what He has called us to do. He would confront us with our areas of our life where we need to offer that sacrifice of praise. Where we need to be broken and contrite before the Lord. Oh, Father, hear us now, we pray. As we stand to our feet and begin to let the Spirit lead us, may we be unhindered by others around us. May we know that we want to be close to you. And it means that we've got to get up and we've got to make that stand. It's not only a, a change of mind, it's a